I believe in my heart of hearts that everyone, yes, everyone is born with a gift. Now, I don't know what your gift may be, but you, listening right now, you have a gift that was given to you at birth. Now, maybe you can sing or dance or you love to organize or you really love spreadsheets. That's my husband. (laughs) Or you love to cook. Maybe you're good at math. Maybe you're a really good writer or you love to fix things and you just have a knack for it. Maybe you're artistic. Whatever it is, you have it. One of the things that I love to see is when people take that gift that they were given or passion or hobby and they say, I'm going to find a way to use this gift to help somebody else. That, that is when your gift becomes a gift to someone else. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Nathan Thomas, the founder and executive director of All We Are. All We Are blossomed out of a personal initiative of Nathan's started in 2009 after working with the new ABC Divine Boarding School in Kampala, Uganda. He is so passionate about empowering young leaders around the world and working to help people realize their potential. This was a really fun conversation. He actually got to join me live in the studio, and I loved, loved, loved my time with Nathan. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Molly. How are you doing? Good morning. I love having people live in the studio. This is pretty cool. I know, because I get to feel a little bit more legit, and I'm not like talking to myself on a computer. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking around and seeing the soundproofing of these big mics. This is this is legit. <laughs> this is so legit. I like to um, say that I'm too legit to quit. So <laughs> anyway, Nathan, I am really excited to have you here. Um, we have a mutual friend, so mm-hmm. to speak. So I got connected with you. Um, through Rachel Goldberg, and um, we know each other through the social medias, blog, the blogs, and um, and so when when she shared about all we are and everything that you guys are doing, I was like, yes, we need to have this guy on the show. This is awesome. So with that being said, we're gonna have you kick it off the way all my guests kick it off, and that's by giving us the Nathan 101. So tell us your story, how you got to where you are today. Okay, the Nathan 101. The Nathan 101. I can quickly get to that in probably 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So so I, I guess an abbreviated version of that. Yeah, it's cool. The, the story started uh, many years ago when I was growing up in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, my parents are from southern India and moved to Canada. And my brother, sister, and I were born in Canada. And we just grew up in a really international city with a lot of international perspective from having parents from overseas and just uh, the school we went to. Um, so fast forward a couple of years, we moved to Finley, Ohio. So a small town in Northwest Ohio. I was going to say, like, that's a, that's a pretty like stark jump for your yeah. parents, especially like Southern India, Toronto, little town in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, a lot of different climates involved <laughs> yeah. in that too. Yeah. 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 So um, grew up in Finley, Ohio and got to the point where I was in high school. I was a junior in high school. And I wanted to do something to give back to my community. And the things available to me through school or through community opportunities were all local. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. I think that's really good. But with my background and 
what I was interested in, it was something international. Yeah. And to me at the time, Africa was this mysterious, faraway place I'd seen <laughs> in, in movies, and that's about it. Yeah. And it just, there was something captivating to me about, about the potential there. And so I didn't know anything about charities, how they run, how they work, or <laughs> what I could potentially do. So I thought, what am I good at right now? What could I use to take my talent and uh, benefit people in need? And through that, I developed a concept for a computer project. I said, okay, I'm, I'm good at fixing up computers. What if I collect some from people in my community? I fix them up and then send them to a school or a community in need somewhere in Africa. Yeah. Uh, no preference or anything. So I did what any 16-year-old would do. <laughs> I got on Google and Googled nonprofits working in Africa. <laughs> and I emailed maybe 30 nonprofits asking them, Hey, is this a project you'd be interested in? This is a little little bit about me. I'm 16 years old. I don't know anything about nonprofits. And didn't hear back from any except for one. And um, this lady who's a pastor in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and had a working relationship with the school in Kampala, Uganda. That's awesome. And that, yeah, that's where Kampala, Uganda came from. And that was the start with this personal initiative I did. I called it Computers for Kampala. So I collected computers, fixed them up and then sent them to a boarding school in Uganda. That and, is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So it started really humble roots, and um, really, I guess you could say chance was, was involved in that as well. It was just sort of people ask me for why why Uganda, and I just don't have a <laughs> great like, story. You're like, well, I Googled it, and that's <laughs> the only place that emailed me back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's that's how some of the best things happen, actually. So Absolutely. Yeah. So I've started working during my senior year of high school um, on, a, on other projects for, for the school and went off to college at the University of Cincinnati. And I thought, okay, I'm getting into studying mechanical engineering. College is going to be so difficult. I won't have time for this project anymore. I just have to hang up the cleats with this. And I realized in the in the fall of 2015 when I, or sorry, 2010 when I, when I got to Cincinnati, that this was just something that I was really passionate about. I wasn't able to just say, all right, it was a one and done project. Yeah. Let me move on to something else. And uh, really became something that was meaningful to me at a, at a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say maybe a big turning point for us was my my summer after my freshman year of college. I went, actually, I traveled to Uganda and spent some time at that boarding school. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was just an incredible eye-opening experience because I've traveled to India to visit my family. I've traveled internationally before. And at that time, this was my first experience traveling to a place where the need was just so great. Yeah. When you go to India, there's a lot of need there. But for me, I have a personal connection there. So I'm there with my family and yeah. I look at them like that. Yeah. Um, so when you go to a different place um, that perhaps is in a developing country, you look at things through, through a different lens. Yeah. And so uh, I went to the school and it was really eye opening. But what I realized was for me at the time, you know, 16, 17 years old, Computers are just central to our lives. We use them every day. We use our phones every day. But when you travel across the world, uh, you realize that there's a whole lot of things that come before having a computer, having clean water, 
access to electricity, basic necessities. Yeah. And so I pledged to myself personally that I would focus on providing basic necessities to people and continue to try to utilize what started this in you know in the beginning and that was what can I take how can I take my talents or all we are to help people in need. And so that might not look like computers but that could look like what I was learning at school innovative engineering projects right. and, and things of that nature. So from 20, 2010 to 2015, we worked closely with the local Rotary Club in, in Finley, Ohio, in Cincinnati, that were really key in supporting our, our first couple projects. Uh, one of my mentors, Deborah Schultz, who's a member of the Cincinnati Rotary Club, was really key in getting everything set up for us in, in those early years. And so Working with Rotary has presented a really interesting opportunity to us. Obviously, it was that incubator funding we needed at the beginning, but also it's a well-oiled machine, so to speak. It's a well-respected charity that work, works all over the world. Yeah. And you learn really good principles of development through them. Yeah. And that's sort of what has guided who we are as an organization. And over the course of those five years, I realized – this is something I'm really passionate about at my at my age. Um, what about my friends? What about other people here in Cincinnati? And what I realized is it was very similar for a lot of young people where we want to be a part of the change. We don't want to wait until we're 65 and retired and then yeah. say, now it's time for me to give back. Yeah. We want to give back now. And there wasn't a lot of potential output for that outside of, fundraise for this charity yeah that that was basically it so we we've bought the shirts we bought the bracelets but we didn't have an opportunity to do more and so um slowly but surely i had some of my friends jump on board and and start working with me and it was a very similar application where uh, one of my good friends tommy who makes videos and was studying um uh, graphic design he said, okay, what can I do for the organization and help design our logos, our videos, and still is very involved today. And friends in engineering and other academic tracks did similar things. And so today, a lot of us have graduated from college. The yeah. orga organization has expanded, but we have about 20, 25 young professionals now who all live across the country, who have full-time jobs, who are dedicating some spare hours, whether it's late at night, early in the morning, or when we can fit it in to... Yeah our mission in Uganda. That is incredible. And it's so interesting. There has been a theme over the last couple of months with some guests on the show, um, really talking about the impact of millennials. Um, and, you know, I hate that sometimes the, the term millennial almost has like this four letter word connotation lately. And like the media likes to be like, ah, those millennials, like, you know, like all the, mm -hmm. all the old, like grumbly curmudgeons are just like, oh, those dang millennials, like mm -hmm. being a bunch of, you know, leeches on society when that is not what I am seeing at all. And I see so many, gr so many young people. Um, and I'm not even, you know, I'm, I just said so many young people, like I'm, I'm really not that old. Um, but you know, I, I see so many young people starting organizations at a young, at a young age, um, in high school. I mean, you know, you started this, you started this initial initiative at 16. Um, and I've had other guests on the show who have started organizations in high school and are, have gone on to do amazing things. And I love what you said about how, um, this generation doesn't want to wait till retirement to give back. They want to do it now. And I just think that that is incredible. And just the way that you, 
took that initiative to say, I have these gifts. How can I use this gift to better the world, to make a difference in somebody's life? Um, and it wasn't like you, you know, set out to help somebody in Uganda. You were just kind of like, well, this, I think this is what I want to do. And um, yeah, I think that that one, I, I hear things like that a lot when people have an idea and they'll email like 40 different organizations and only one replies. And yeah. I'm like, I think, mm. that, I think that was good because that was, that showed that they cared enough to reply and um, it forged a relationship. But um, thank you. Yeah. So I, I want to um, really dive deep quickly into, not quickly, but just, yeah, I want to dive deep into what All We Are does today. Mm-hmm. So um, so you are now a part of, is this your full-time gig? Is this still side, kind of your side hustle? Mm-hmm. Um, and how exactly has it morphed from, you know, like you said that you wanted to provide, you know, computers for these areas in need, but then sure. when you, you really got down to the nitty gritty, you realized, okay, we need to provide some basic necessities in addition to some access to technology. So what is it? What does the organization look like today? Mm-hmm. So we're a group of millennials that like avocado toast, but also empowering communities. I love avocado <laughs> toast. Okay, let's have a real quick digression about avocado <laughs> toast because I can talk about avocado toast all day long. Okay, you need to get some Ezekiel bread, then you mm-hmm. need to mash up that avocado, then you put some Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning on oh, top. I haven't done that. Oh, it will change your life, Nathan. <laughs> it will change your life. Like, I'm not even kidding, but you need to, you need to toast that bad boy and like get it warm. Okay. Get it warm. Then, you can even like if you like a little kick get some red pepper flakes just right well, on top. all this time i thought i was eating avocado toast i don't um, know if i was no you were <laughs> you were not eating avocado toast until you get trader joe's everything but the bagel seasoning and then you put that bad boy on top okay anyway okay we can get off of the top of avocado toast see this is what happens is when you bring up avocado toast i'm like let's talk about it okay yeah. anyway so you like avocado toast and changing the world as do I. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes. So continue. <laughs> yeah. So, so luckily, I have a group of twenty or so friends and and people I work with around the country who also, you know, are in the very same boat. Where this initiative, this passion for Uganda, that was created through just a total, you know, chance of creating this connection over there. Right. You know, th- now the communities we work with in Uganda are, are families to us. And so to see that with my fellow members, it's just really incredible. They've sort of adopted this similar passion and vision for what we're doing. Um, so I'm currently a engineer working for Leone Wiring Systems, and I sit here and work as a sort of a consultant project manager for Caterpillar. Yeah. So I'm, I'm between the offices in Sanford and Clayton. Yeah. And that's a similar story for all of our members where we all have full-time jobs and we're just sort of volunteers at this stage. Yeah. But we have a team in Uganda that works with us. We have a country director, a couple managers, and then a team of, of, of people that work under them. And those are paid staff that work for us over there. And so you're asking, okay, what do you? what's the focus now? So you started with the computers. Where did you go from there? Yeah. So that first trip sort of really sunk home the message to me that, okay, let's focus on what do these communities really need? Yeah. And to do that, the first question you have to ask is, <laughs> how do I empower these communities instead of coming in and telling them this is what you need? Yes. So what, that, yeah. so what that looks like is conversations with the, the local communities, doing community assessments, and just sitting down with them and asking them, what do you need? And what we realized was access to ener- energy was a, a big thing that 
was stunting and or pro- perhaps you could say preventing the growth of these schools. So yeah. um, they have unreliable or perhaps in a lot of situations no access to power. Mm-hmm. And what impact does that have on on the students? So what we looked at was what is our role here? Our role is to leverage our communities to prov- provide any sort of technical support, but we want to have all of the implementation, whether it's buying components or hiring workers, we want that all to happen on the ground in Uganda. Right. And if we do that, we're truly empowering the communities. We're not taking away resources from one person to give to another, so to speak. Um, and so that that's sort of how this solar program came about with the fact that you can put a 10-watt LED light into a fixture in your house, whereas maybe 10 years ago you had a 60-watt incandescent light. Well, we're looking at our uh, these lean, mean systems that work really well for providing lighting for these schools. And so we launched this concept in 2015 with the goal of electrifying <laughs> 50 schools by 2025, and we're at 17 schools three years later. And along the way, you know, we we continue to evaluate how effective our work is and what additional needs we need to have met in Uganda. And um, through that has has come the need for women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. And what we do with this is we realize that there was a substantial amount of uh, female students who were missing one week of school every month. So we can provide all the infrastructure in the world. We can put everything there. But if you're missing one-fourth of the school year, you just don't have a fair chance to succeed. Yeah. And so Uganda's population, I think 40 to 50% are under the age of 15. So that, mm. that shows you how crucial education is. So what we realized was, okay, we need to make sure that these girls that are missing a week every, every month um, have a chance to compete and then have a chance to then be the ones to go on and, and make the change that Uganda needs. And so... We have a women's empowerment program that provides education and um, uh, sanitary pads to to girls at the schools. And then we've just recently launched a clean water program that will implement our, our first couple projects later this year. I know you're loving this conversation with Nathan, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who's able to help make the show possible, and that's Cosbox. You know, Cosbox is my favorite ethical subscription box because I've been a subscriber for over two and a half years. How it works is each season, a new box is released filled with everything from home goods, accessories, and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, they are doing the most good. The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The summer box just sold out. It sold out so fast, I think actually in record time. But do not fret because there is an exclusive special edition box that is available only right now that contains the best products from the spring and summer cause box. It's amazing. So to reserve your special edition cause box, go to stillbeingmolly.com slash cause box and use the coupon code Molly for $15 off. Now back to my conversation with Nathan. I remember, I mean, obviously different country, but similar circumstances, but I've um, been to Kenya multiple times Mm -hmm. um, and I have strong connections there. And I remember that was one of the things that resonated with me so much that first time was learning about the struggles that these young girls have uh, just because they get their period. <laughs> and I'm just like, that. it's just, it's not fair. That's not fair. And I just remember I used to be, I would get so fired up about it um, because they just, it's one of those things that you never, I never even thought about as a first world woman 
that just because I live mm-hmm. in the first world and have access to you know proper sanitation and and women's health care that I can go to school and then a, but a, a young girl in the developing world can't and how that is such a um, it's still in so many small communities stigmatized and I'm just like when are we gonna wake up and like when are they just gonna be like hey this is a normal bodily function of all women so when are we gonna wake up and like deal with this mm-hmm. and and help um so that is I mean that's incredible um all of those things um and then also what you said that I I love and this is something that I talk about all the time is the importance of the empowerment versus the um versus that sort of like American savior mentality or the the first world savior mentality of, oh, we're going to go into this developing nation and we're going to tell them how they need to do things and tell them how to fix things um, because we're the rich saviors and we know it at all when that's actually <laughs> not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that's that's a topic that I love talking about of of going in and, and figuring out you know, a lot of times it's just a lack of maybe access to to a particular resource that's holding them back, like you said, energy, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's you know something as simple as providing sanit you know sanitary napkins to to young girls so they can go to school, like a simple fix of like how do we go in and, and provide support or provide a need in a particular area in order to empower these people to be able to 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 do it themselves because you know. Whether you're a mom in the first world or a mom in the third world or a dad in the, the first world or a dad in the third world, um, you, you want to take care of your family. Like, <laughs> you don't want somebody else doing it for you. Um, and and these communities, especially in, in the developing world, I mean, even more so than I think here, they are so community focused and they care about each other so much. I mean, they just rally around each other. Um in the good times and the bad and they they want to do it themselves and and they don't want you know these people coming in and doing it for them and so when you go in and you really sit down and you just listen and you say what is it that we can do to help you or support you um and providing sort of that hand up instead of that handout um so i think that that is incredible that that's something that you guys realized right away Mm -hmm. um because i think some organizations don't i'd almost say the majority don't because they get it in their their heads of what they want to do, and then they go in with that agenda rather than an agenda of you know what here's what we think we can help with, but what is you know how are our talents better served? Absolutely, and, and I think overall there's no handbook on development. Oh, you know, yeah, there's there's for no sure. textbook saying do this, and so there's so many people with you know really just the best intentions that it's really easy to not know what to do. For sure. And a lot of times we think of, okay, what what works for us? What makes sense to us? And a lot of times we want to, for example, look in uh, in Houston with, with the, the hurricane and yeah. the flooding they had. People would, would prefer to donate things, stuffed right. animals, clothes, things like that versus money because they want the good feeling of giving something to people versus just, hey, cash isn't as meaningful as giving you something material when in fact the best way you can help people a lot of times <laughs> just is give pr- them money yeah exactly oh absolutely yeah that is that is i'm glad that you brought that up because that was a big topic around um yeah hurricane harvey and then you we had irma and all mm-hmm. of these hurricanes and 
and you know we've seen like I think Katrina was really what got the society woke so to speak avocado toast and being woke uh, <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know what I'm saying uh, but that I mean really Katrina I think is what is what got people to realize um, how much their stuff was actually hurting because these organizations would uh, would would you know just be inundated with clothes and shoes and it's like they had no they had nowhere to put them they have no they have no way to sort it I mean, and then i remember i saw this one organization was talking about the amount of like coats and scarves and hats and i'm like this is new orleans like who is wearing a parka in new mm-hmm. orleans at any point of the year mm-hmm. no one so like what like let's use our brains people before we send things that are completely unnecessary to a community in need. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? Y'all, be, think for a second. It's like 98 degrees for the majority of the year in New mm-hmm. Orleans. Yeah, and, and you see you see examples of that all the time where, you know, someone was telling me they, they uh, had a donor, I think it was like Crocs with fur lining on them. They donated a thousand of them to take to uh, to Kenya or Uganda, somewhere in East Africa, and I mean I think it's really done with the best intentions, and I just think that in the end, everyone benefits from some sort of guidance as to okay maybe consider doing this or that or maybe the the Crocs without the fur yeah um, right right whatever it might be. So what we do with our projects is we build in transactional value. So for everything we do, whether it's the pads, whether it's the solar panels, uh, we want to make sure that there's ownership on the ground at these schools, at the, in these communities, where we say, okay, we'll install solar power here, but you need to pay us a sustainability payment for 12 months. Yeah. Or for the pads, you need to pay a small fee <laughs> each school term to, to offset some of the cost. But when we do that, we know that what we're providing is truly helpful. Right. If it wasn't, they're not going to be supportive of making those contributions. Right. Absolutely. Now, this is going back to like way to the beginning, but I'm just curious. So when you were 16 and you had this idea of like, I'm going to fix up computers and I'm going to send them to Africa. um, And you did finally get that response from the, you said there was a woman who was a pastor in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and and worked with this organization in um, Kampala. What were the logistics of that like? So you're fixing up these computers. Like, how are you just and you're just shipping them to to Uganda? Like, I mean, how were you raising money to? Because that's going to be expensive to ship that ship that stuff. I've had to ship things to Kenya, and it it ain't cheap. So you know, what were the logistics of that like in the beginning? So so to me, I learned so much <laughs> with this first initiative. I, I bet. Did. And so a lot of it was really good, and a lot of it was. Don't ever do this again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and I so, bet. And so, in, in the category of don't ever do this again, one of the things is shipping. We don't ever ship anything to Uganda if we can't buy it locally in Uganda. Mm-hmm. That that means it's not necessary for the community. Um, <clears throat> East Africa has developed to the point where if you want to buy a computer, you can buy a computer in Kampala. Right. You might not be able to buy it in uh, in Koko or some villages. East, west, north, south, but you could go to the major metropolitan area in any major East African country and perhaps in in most developing countries and find the things there. But 
I didn't know that back then. Yeah. So back then I, I was just figuring things out and I said, well, let me collect these computers. And of course, when you collect computers, people perk up and they say, oh my goodness, this 16 year old kid wants to take our computers that this computer we've had in our in our garage for the past five years that we can't throw out because we have to pay like $50 to get rid of it. Yeah. And so these were the computers that were the big desktops, the wide CRT monitors. Yeah. Um, keyboards, mice, all of this. So it was a big shipment, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Just to send four or five computers to you. Oh, for sure. So I found, I found a company that would ship things from different port areas in America to Uganda via sea container. Yeah. And so the first time I sent the computers, I drove to, I believe it was to... Louisville, Kentucky, oh, wow. from from Finley, Ohio, and dropped off the computers, and then they took it to their port location in Boston, Massachusetts, and then it went on a ship and it got to Uganda. That is crazy. Yeah, and then I I, I think the second time I did it, I said, okay, that takes three months to get over there. I'm too impatient. I wanna I wanna <laughs> do it via air freight and, and send it like that. But um, for those early projects, it was. Selling bracelets, selling small things, getting donations from people to send the computers over yeah. there. And it was just largely to cover the shipping cost, which wasn't huge, but you're looking at $400, $500 oh, at least. for sure. Yeah. For sure. That is amazing. And I love that you uh, that you, you said that, that, that those early years, like, I mean, they really are formative in so many ways. How Just like, okay, that I'm going to do again. That I'm not going to do again. Like, <laughs> definitely not going to do that again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, right now as we're kind of as we're wrapping up, what is on the horizon for you, you know, both personally and professionally with with all we are? What is what is your vision for it um, for the long term? Because I, I can see it in your eyes and I can see it as you talk about it. This is something that you you're not giving up anytime soon. So what it, you know, what's your dream for it? Yeah. So I'm obviously very passionate about this. And so over the years, what's developed for me is the drive to further our mission in Uganda, but also the drive to create a safe space or you could say platform for other young people here in America or Europe or wherever it might be who are interested in giving back that want to do something extraordinary. And um, we've we've created an internship program. So we have high school kids from Heritage, Carborough, different places here in North Carolina, as yeah. well as all over the country that have got involved. And what I'm really passionate about is creating a space for them to learn how to do development in what I would say, quote unquote, is the right way or perhaps a better way through their experience with all we are. And, yeah. you know, it might be something that they go off to college and they find something else that they're more passionate about. And that's awesome. And yeah. so it's just creating space for for young people here today to be a part of the change and a change that's tangible. And for our mission in Uganda, we're looking at a concept of sort of combining solar power for lighting, for water, women's empowerment into solutions that support schools, but definitely solutions that provide for a village overall. And so we've created this solar village concept where we Use solar as sort of the glue that holds everything together. We can put lights in the in the classrooms, in the dormitories, provide security in the community, 
Uh, we can drill boreholes and then power the the pumps with solar power. Yeah. And then we can come in with healthcare and different things like that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So we were in Uganda in February cool. and we spent a couple days just working with this local community. And again, taking all the principles we learned, first step is talking to the local community, talking to local partners and asking them, okay, this is, wh- where should we work? And they've identified this area in about two hours from, from Kampala, where there's a lot of need there. And we went there and spent, you know, I spent a day with the students and the people in the community there. And it was really just an incredible experience to then come back and, and be passionate about supporting the community there. And so, our, awesome. yeah, our goal with that is to implement a project there later this year to electrify five schools, provide solar refrigeration for the clinic that's there that provides for 8,000 people. We went there and they were essentially, Molly, they were essentially using a cooler on ice to store vaccinations. And when when the ice melted, that was it. They had to throw out the vaccines and people were just kind of lined up waiting until some development organization or the the, Ugandan government brought additional. So we're hoping to put a solar refrigerator there and, and be able to store vaccines. And then later in the year, we'll we'll uh, drill some boreholes and put up rain catchment systems there to provide clean water. That is incredible. Um, well, for the listeners, I will have all of Nathan's information as well as um, the information about All We Are in the show notes um, so you can find out how to support them. Um, I am sure they would love your money if you want to, if you feel compelled to donate money um, or time or resources. Um, I will ha- again, I will have all of their information in the show notes. And I meant to ask, what brought you to North Carolina from Cincinnati? So I was, uh, this was 2015, my senior year of of college. I went to Uganda for about three and a half, four weeks to launch this solar program. Yeah. I came back to Cincinnati and it snowed 14 inches. Oh my goodness. College classes were canceled for three weeks. And if you know me, I can't sit still for a day, let alone three weeks. And that was a defining point in my life where I said, I need to get somewhere warmer. I I need to move somewhere. And this opportunity opened up, and I moved down here for for the job. That's awesome. Yeah, and love being in North Carolina, being in Raleigh. Rachel's here as well. Yeah. we're really involved with our community and just loving being here. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel is actually here in the room. So when, when I was mentioning that Nathan and I met through Rachel, she's just like sitting here and she was laughing at my bits about avocado toast. So, <laughs> But in total agreement. Yeah, I know. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Okay. So this is the portion of the show um, that's my favorite portion because it's we, where we get to just know you a little bit better. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like I already know you, but this is where we get to ask some some fun, deep questions. Sure. Um, this is also the portion of the show, as my listeners know where my my amazing husband who is my executive producer he inserts a sound effect of his choosing to transition us to the get to know you round every week it's different I never know what he's going to pick so if you're if you somehow don't like the sound effect well it's not my fault it's his so (laughs) but I love him he's great I love you babe thanks (laughs) um all right so Nathan are you ready I'm ready I have news and it's a story I gotta tell you about because people need the facts millennials you've heard of them they love avocados They eat them for every meal. They buy them instead of houses. They have even been known to watch live streams of avocados turning brown. So the first question is, what makes you say, what was I thinking when I look back uh, on a moment, when you look back on a moment in your life? I was I was recently scrolling through my Instagram feed, and, and Molly, you you wouldn't know right now because I have a day job and I'm going to be getting there in a little bit. But 
I used to have a really incredible fashion style. Oh, where yeah. The more colors, the better <laughs> in, in one outfit. Yeah. So um, it was 2014. I was living in Germany, and there's a picture of me in front of the Eiffel Tower. I think I have yellow pants on, a purple shirt, <laughs> blue shoes, and the camouflage jacket. So oh, wow. Th- that, that is definitely one of the things I look back on and, and really wish that um, I could have done like an extreme makeover wardrobe edition, but... <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. That is excellent. I can't picture that, but I also can. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Where I'm like, I can't. Ah, but yeah, I see a little sliver of color in you. Like yeah. just like it's just wanting to burst from yeah. the It's it's very muted now. I've really tried to to oh to ma- uh, contain it. Oh, though we all have those moments where we like look back on pictures of ourselves and we're like, why what why why? Yeah. Oh, that is. Oh, Rachel just pulled it up. Guys, I will link to this in the um in the show notes, y'all, you, your eyes are not prepared yeah. for that. That is good. Rachel keeps that towards the top of her camera roll and just in case keep I have humble. any. Yeah, yeah when, you, when you need to keep him humble. <laughs> yeah. Got to keep him humble. I love it. Okay. If you had a time machine, what t- time period would you visit and why? A time period? Wow. Um, is there like a particular time period you would want to visit? I think I would probably want to go back to like early – 1800s yeah yeah and maybe maybe even before that but just experience america before all the settlement that happened here i had an opportunity for a couple months to live in in tucson arizona and all the hiking i would do and the trails we go to and the native american you know the tribes that were were there it was just really interesting to me so i'd love to go back then and just experience how different the, the country is. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I always kind of think like that time or like during like the gold rush and like the wild, wild mm-hmm. west. I yeah. don't know why. Like there's something about that time period that I'm like, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. I don't, dysentery would not be awesome. You know, like well, Oregon well, Trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I play Oregon Trail, so I'm pretty prepared. For yeah, that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can walk off dysentery. <laughs> you can walk off. Walk it off. <laughs> well, you can totally walk off Disney. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's good times. All right. What is your weirdest pet peeve? Weirdest pet peeve. Hmm. <laughs> you can walk off dysentery. I'm going to be laughing about that all day. Oh, weirdest pet peeve. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to think what my pet peeves are. Maybe that's weird that you don't have any pet peeves. Like, yeah, I, I feel like, like everybody's got a pet peeve. Yeah, I don't know if impatience is a pet peeve, but... <laughs> I am very impatient. Very impatient. If I'm at an amusement park and there's the best roller coaster, but the line's an hour and a half long, I, I can't ride it. Yeah, I can't like, even consider nope, it. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, I have zero time for this. Exactly. I like it. And my last, qu- my last question is, for what today are you most grateful for? Today? Um, gosh, I just feel like I'm, I'm so grateful for everything right yeah. now. You know, life has just been incredible that's awesome um i would definitely say i I think i always attribute to my passion for for service and the person i am today to the my parents and the upbringing i had when i was young it definitely was was and still is a defining character trait and everything i've learned has has really made me the person i am today so i'm very grateful for them that's awesome that's awesome well, Nathan, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming into the studio and coming on the show today. Um, I loved our chat together, um, and I just can't wait to see all that you continue to do with All We Are. Thank you, Molly. Thanks for having us. 
Nathan was a blast to have in the studio with me for this episode. And seriously, who else wants an avocado toast and empowerment shirt? Me, I do. As always, I'll have Nathan and all we are's information in the show notes. And another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Cosbox. Don't forget, go to stillbeingmolly.com slash Cosbox and use that coupon code Molly for $15 off your special edition box. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you're subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode. And if you have a moment, would you mind leaving a review of the show? Leaving a review really does help me to know how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited each week by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of third wheel media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>